Welcome, Crossbridgers. Uh, I want to welcome those at our online campus. I know you're everywhere, right, all over the place. And I want to welcome those at Peru and Morris. Um, uh, I love the fact that uh, Crossbridge continues to expand, and we get to share the message with more and more people. I'm also thankful for our campus pastors, um, uh, Pastor Tricia, as well as Pastor Sherry, who are, are helping with our online campus, Pastor Kevin over in Peru, and, uh, and Brian and Morris, thanks for all you're doing. Hey, um, what do we mean by wiggle room? We talked about this quote last week. The space or the distance between our current pace and our limits. It applies to our schedules, our finances, and our relationships. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week, I would encourage you to because I think it kind of gives you a context for where we're headed. Um, I mentioned last week that I was going to talk about the concept of time. Uh, I was with someone actually this last week, and they said, man, I can't wait to hear what you're going to say about time and about our calendars and how to deal with that. And I said, I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say either, because earlier in the week I had no idea. And so, um, but as I, as I looked at this subject and tried to broach it with uh, humility and just recognize this is hard, hard for me too, um, here's what I want us to do. I really want us to open our hearts and our ears and I want us to listen, and, and here's what I think. I think this subject is so personal because we all run so fast, and we have so many things competing that I'm just pretty confident today that the Lord has something for every single one of us if we'll listen. And so uh, open your heart and your mind, and um, I believe he's got something for you, so I'm going to pray before we go any further. Father, open our hearts to hear from you. I pray that as we listen and, and you're just your subtle whispers, that we would, we would understand that you want to speak to us, that you have a word for us today, because you always want to be seeing us grow and our relationship with you to grow, our relationship with others to grow. And Lord, I, I think you know too that time um, is a really important thing and that when we get stretched too thin and we don't have any margin, any wiggle room, that God... Um, it hurts us, and it hurts us probably in ways in which we even have no idea. So God, may we listen, may we not just settle for the way that we've been living, but God, may you challenge us to rise to a different level to experience your absolute best. Help me to communicate today in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, um, obviously, uh, here, here's, here's the angle we're coming from. We live in a hurry. Um, what does it look like to live in a hurry? I think... It's when we're always telling people, hey, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Or how many of you would say this? If you went out in the parking lot right now or you went out in your garage right now and you looked under your seats, you would have a collection of fast food French fries. The truth is what I'm amazed by is that you can pull a fry out from like three months ago and it actually still looks the same. Um, that That's scary to me. But but that tells you, right? Like we live in a world, um, I live in a world of pulling through drive throughs eating as fast as I can to get to the next thing, always running late. Um, when I'm at work, I'm thinking about what I need to do at home. And when I'm at home, I'm thinking about what I need to do at work. That is called the world of hurry. I remember um, oh, six months ago, I was riding in my car and I was listening to something. I can't remember if it was a video or it was something technology and uh, oriented. And I, I was listening. And I, in my head, I was thinking, come on, like speed it up, like just talk faster um, because I wanted to get more than I was getting. And it just felt like the person was talking so slow. And then I realized 
um, that I, there was a little button that I could hit that was times two. And, and when I hit times two, it actually, he talked twice as fast. And, and the moment I hit it, I was like, hey, like, I like that speed. That speed's perfect. And now, like, I get more information in less amount of time. And that's when I realized, like, yeah, I, you know, I, I have an issue too, right? And so um, I walked in not long ago to my living room, and I looked, and my son was laying on the couch, which is a very familiar kind of image. Um, there's, like a, there's like an indention in the couch that fits his little body. And uh, he had headphones on. He had his phone like this. He, he was playing a game and the TV on at a very high level all at the same time. And, and I just thought, what is wrong with this picture, right? It stressed me out watching him. And so I said to him, I said, Gerald, like, take, take off the headphone. I said, listen, buddy, pick something. Pick one, but we don't need to watch this screen, this screen, have this volume coming out and listening to something on here all at the same time. Like, it's, ugh. Um, oh boy. Yeah. That, that's a whole nother subject. Let's move on. Quote. Okay. John Ortberg, he says this for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. Now I thought that quote was really, really powerful. See, I, I, I think it's this idea that we don't even realize what we're settling for. But we've gotten into a pattern that, that good is good enough. And, and truthfully, um, it's, it's not what God has for us. He has so much more. Now, here's where I want us to start. You were designed to work, but you were also designed to rest. You were designed to work, but you were also designed to rest. I love to work. I, I, do, I love my job. I, I feel blessed to have a job that uh, I love to do. And uh, I love sharing with you. I, I, I love preparing it, and I love sharing it. And, um, and the rest of the things that come with my job, too, most of them I really, really like. Um, Sunday afternoon, though, I'll tell you, like Sunday afternoon, when I get home, um, and I have preached a couple times on Sunday morning and, Sunday, and Saturday night, uh, I'm ready for a break, which means, typically, like, I'll either find a couch or I lay in bed and I flip on the TV. And I, especially during golf season, I love to watch golf. Part of it is it just feels relaxing. It's quiet. There's the green grass on TV, like uh, they, they speak in quiet voice. And really what it is, is it's like, it, it's, it's like a bedtime story. It, they, they, I watch about three shots, I fall asleep. And then when I wake up, they're like on hole 16, right? And I get to watch the end of the tournament and, and it works. This last Sunday, my wife and I actually went to a concert in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, so Sunday afternoon, we got in the car, we drove to Madison with a couple friends, and uh, went out to eat, went to a concert, after the concert, we sat around and talked with our friends, and, and I'm not normally like this, but I was sitting in this hotel lobby, um, and, and I was like this, and, and I literally, my eyelids were so heavy as, as these friends were talking, I, I, I couldn't keep them open, and I was wrestling with them, and, I, and finally I was like, hey, like, I am so tired, and we got up to the room, and, and you know, I, I'm never like this, but I was like, hey, Rachel, I am going straight to bed. Like, I, it was even, I felt like it was work to get my clothes off, right, to get to bed. And, and here's the thing. I was like, why am I so tired today? It's because I didn't watch golf. It, it's because, like, Sunday afternoons, I'm programmed. I am programmed to work all week, and I'm programmed on Sunday afternoons to take a nap, and I didn't get it. There's, there's, um, God's designed us this way. Genesis chapter two, verse two says, on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. 
So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Exodus 20 kind of expands on that. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. In the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. You know, um, I was thinking about, uh, I've known a few people who are truck drivers, like over-the-road truck drivers. And I I believe this is true. If you're a truck driver, feel free to correct me um, later this week, of course. But uh, I think there's a thing in trucks now that when you're driving, you have to kind of like, you have to log in and you kind of, you say, hey, I'm starting driving now. And at the end of, whether it's eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours, there's something in that truck that if you don't stop and take a break, it actually shuts the truck down. Um, It forces you to take a break. Now, I I think that could be good or bad, right? But it's, it's an automatic kind of system. Here's what I know about myself and what I know about you. You don't have an automatic kind of system that just says, Hey, it's six, it's six days. I'm just going to shut you down. I, I, truthfully, I kind of wish I did have one. I wish it just worked like that, but it doesn't. So here's what it means. We have to be proactive. We have to care for ourselves. And we have to be intentional, right, about taking breaks. We have to be intentional about resting. In fact, um, here, here's how I want you to think about it. We have to be intentional about creating space. Because if you don't, the world will say, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Let's keep adding. Let's keep adding. Let's keep adding. And then what ends up happening is you, you, somebody does something to you snap and you wonder why it's because you have no margin in your life and you've been stretched way beyond the, the capacity in which your limits of what you were ever designed to be stretched. We have to be able to unplug and create some wiggle room and some space. We often speak as if we have no control over our schedules. Uh, There was a quote this week that says, our inclination is to keep forcing more things into our schedules while taking nothing out. Our tendency is to do so much that we end up enjoying very little of it. Man, isn't that the truth? Now, when I look at the life of Jesus, he modeled something very different. In fact, he modeled something called um, solitude that Jesus was really good at it. Like he would go around and, and I'm guessing, G, I mean, Jesus always had a crowd around him. If, if you watch throughout scripture, there were always people following him and there was always people watching him and wherever he went, people were like gathering, right? And they were expecting him to do great things. Everybody wanted a little something from Jesus. There were people climbing trees to get to Jesus. There were people reaching out just to touch his garment. And yet every once in a while, what it says is he got away. Listen to Matthew 14. After sending them home, He's sending people home. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Mark 1.35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. In the morning hours, like maybe for some of us, that's the only time we would get that, but that's where Jesus found it, right? 
or Luke 22, then accomplished, or then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room, went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Um, in fact, that, the passage goes on to say, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from them. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then I love what verse 43 says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. If Jesus needed to get away, if, if Jesus was building in space for isolation and solitude and to, to be refreshed, and if the angel needed to show up to strengthen and refresh Jesus, how much more do we need that ourselves? See, intentionally slowing down, listen to this, intentionally slowing down does not mean we will not still be busy. Jesus had a lot to do, but he never did it in a way which severed his relationship with the Father. He never did so much like, he was like, hey, Father, I know I'm supposed to touch base today, but I got people hanging on the hems of my garment, right? Mm-mm. You, you read, he was going about his Father's business, but then there was always these moments where he was like, hey, you all, like, go on home, or hey, you all, I'm going over here. And he was intentional about it. I love that picture. In fact, even Jesus invited others into that quiet space as well. Mark 6 says, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So, you know, we we think probably what the world we live in moves so fast. This is is like 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is so busy and his followers are so busy, they don't have time to eat, right? I mean, they needed culvers back then, right? Drive through windows, Just pull the donkey through, right? Okay, anyway, listen to this quote. Solitude is the one place where we can gain freedom from the forces of society that will otherwise relentlessly, I love that word, relentlessly mold us. So here's what we're saying. If if you don't be intentional about allowing God to mold you and and getting, like setting aside time where he can do that work in you, to kind of frame your life, to, to, you know, let you live the way you were designed to live, society will relentlessly mold you. You will fall into a groove, a rut, a ditch, a pattern, whatever you want to call it, and it will just, it will, it will suck you in, and it will take you downstream, and it will spit you out, and, and you are what you are. You'll be how you are, like healthy or not healthy. But this is a picture that says, right, like, it is that alone time with Jesus. It's creating space, allowing him to, like, even wiggle room with him that can change everything. I was thinking about this, right? What would it look like for us, practically speaking, to say, God, give us wisdom when it comes to our time. Give us wisdom when it comes to our time. I think that would be a great prayer to pray this week. Um, you're maybe like, Kevin, I don't know how to pray. Like, what would this look like? Hey, that's where it starts. God, give me wisdom. This time thing is hard. Everybody wants some of it. I need help with it. Invite him in. God, give me wisdom and how to deal with my time. Here's a, um, one of, a summation of what I was, um, one of the things I was reading this week. It says, this message has the power to change your life I believe that. This message has the power to change your life because it could change your time. And your time is your life.
you think about it, time, it, it's probably, for most of us, I think sometimes we would hinge between, is it, which one's our most valuable resource, money or time? And I actually think in our world today, I would love to take a poll to say, which one is your most valuable resource? Because I think you'd have some who would say money, but you would also have a large majority. I think, I think a large, more than you think, more than one we might, we might consider is that people would say time. By far, time is what I hang on to the tightest. God sees time differently than we do. Listen to Psalm 90, verses one through six. Lord, through all the generations, you've been, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. For you, a thousand years are a passing day as brief as a few night hours. You sweep, you sweep away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. And verse 10 says, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. <laughs> um, I think about this, right? You got God who really is timeless. Um, and then you got us who like, we, we tend to think in terms of time. And yet even here, I, I think the idea is that our 70 even on, on a good long life, 80 years, right? That really, Scripture would say, another place in James, he said it's like a mist that you spray and, and, it, and it goes in the air. That's what your life is, and then it vanishes. It's, it's kind of depressing, but it's also truth in, in regards to the bigger picture. When we, when we realize how short our time is, I think it's even more significant of why we need to pray. God give us wisdom with our time and how we use it. Psalm 90 verse 12 goes on to say, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Let's be calculated with the time we've been given. What does it look like to be intentional? And think about this. Wisdom um, is, is giving God access, full access to your time. There's some things I was reading this week, some things I've been thinking about even around time. Um, I'm, I'm learning just like you are. I'm trying to apply this stuff. There's like a top 10 list. I wanna just kind of roll through them. Here's some things I saw. First one's this, uh, that I want you to think about it. Your schedule is your schedule. That may, well, that's ingenious, Kevin, right? Your schedule is your schedule. Um, I actually, this, I have a person who helps me um, at the church and um, I looked this week and I was looking at my calendar and I, I saw a, an appointment added in, in this weird slot. And I don't know, it caught my attention. I could tell I hadn't added it. Someone had, and it was her. And um, she, she added it and it said, appointment with Rachel. And I thought, I didn't put appointment with Rachel. Rachel's my wife, um, but someone did. And so what had happened is Rachel went to my assistant and said, can you schedule me an appointment right here? And so um, I, I called my assistant and said, hey, like, I don't have room for her. I'm just, just joking, just kidding. See, that leads us to the next one. Schedule what matters first. Schedule what matters first. Listen, uh, one of the things I do when my kids are in sports and I get their games, I, I put them in my calendar, right? Because those things matter. Now, I, realistically, I have a job. And uh, I know some of you, 
I, I know how many games your kids have. Can I get to every single game? I cannot. But I still, I want to be able to, I want to be able to manage those in my calendar and I want them, right, to be important. So I put them in first. There's times I schedule time with Rachel. I, if I, if, you know, I've been trying to do this lately. In fact, more late, like date night, right? Put it in the calendar so nothing else trumps that. I, in the summer, I schedule golf. Sounds weird, right? You're like, oh, I bet you schedule golf. Yeah, I do. Because if I don't, everything else gets in there, right? And golf is a thing that I, I know keeps me healthy, right? It's, it's a place where my brain unplugs for two hours. So I schedule it. I schedule alone time. Oh, I love scheduling alone time. And schedule what matters. Schedule the things that if you know that you need it, put it in there. Maybe you're like, I, I know I want to read. Schedule it. There's a big one. Exercise the power to say no. There might be 15 good things you can do in a day, but you only have time to do 10. So out of the 15 good things, figure out what the 10 great things are and say no to the rest. I think for many of us, we're asked to do things over and over and over and over. Everybody's vying for your time. Learn to say no, no, unless the church is asking you. Then say yes, I'm just just kidding. But kind of prioritize, right? Sometimes we say yes to everything, whoever comes along, and then something comes along that really does matter, something that's important, something that's vital for you, and you have no room to it, for it because you've said yes to way too many things you've said yes to. You shouldn't have. Number four, pay attention to screen time. Do I need to say any more, right? Pay attention to screen time. Phones, TVs, time suckers, right? Number five, I just put commit slowly. It's so easy to keep adding. What, what if we had a better funnel to say, man, like, what, what do I want to do with my time? And, and I'm going to pray about things before I just add them and make commitments. How many times have we made a commitment to something and then like, you know, a week later, you're like, oh, what did I commit to? And number six, not everything's an emergency. There's actually very few. Number seven, more is not always better. More is just more. So uh, be careful. Um, number eight, short-term fury versus long-term vision. Sometimes I think we add so much stuff. We're running so wild. We're not thinking about actually where we want to be or what we're trying to accomplish. We're just trying to accomplish a bunch of stuff. Number nine, plan for shutdowns, uh, plan vacations, plan a personal day. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that if, if, if next week we get 20 inches of snow, everything will shut down and, and everything will be fine. Besides being able to buy bread or milk at the grocery store, everything else will be fine. And it's, it's because I think sometimes we think life will not go on if we actually take a break, and it does. And then the final thing is expect the unexpected and build in some margin. Um, I think sometimes we, we have, things are so tight that when something does happen and things happen, then it causes a come apart. And, and then here's where I want us to like, here's where I want us to end, um, God working through us and using us to do his business in the world is primarily about one thing. It's about availability. We know that God asks us first to love him, second to love others. And, and actually he says, right, um, that this world should recognize us by our love. Here, here's a, a cool quote. The most serious sign of hurry sickness is a diminished capacity to love. Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time and time is one thing hurried people don't have. I I do believe this. God wants us to be available.
Do you remember the days years ago? I remember before we had cell phones and when I, I, my parents, you know, we'd have the phone and I'd pick it up and you'd dial the number and you'd call a friend and what would you hear? That wonk, 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 that busy signal. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, I'd want to get a hold of my friends, but they would be on the phone or their mom was on the phone or whatever and you just couldn't get through. I hated the busy signal. Um, here, here's another one. A, a saying that I found this week. Margin is not a spiritual necessity, but availability is. God expects us to be available for the needs of others. And without margin, without wiggle room, each of us would have great difficulty guaranteeing availability. Instead, when God calls, he gets the busy signal. You know, you look at, the, you look at all the characters through the Old Testament. Uh, incredible characters. But, but let me tell you something. If you went through and you dissected who these characters are and you studied them, they were not perfect people. They were people with great flaws. They were people who dealt with sin. They were people who like, um, upon first looking at them, you would not think they were world changers. But here's kind of the interesting thing about God's kingdom and the way he uses things is he takes these, these flawed things like you and me and he uses them to do great things. If and when we make ourselves fully available for his use. I was just listening to someone share their story this last week. They were talking about when they came to know Jesus, and it's a crossbridger. In fact, at Easter, I'm hoping you're going to hear her story. Uh, but it was interesting in that story, she said, she mentioned a name. Uh, the name of, uh, this lady's name was Melanie. And she said, man, Melody took the time to sit down with me and share Jesus with me. And, uh, and once I heard about Jesus and I responded to Jesus, my life changed. And I thought, thank you for Melanie. That Melanie somehow found time to be interrupted, to be available, to share Jesus. And now Jesus used Melanie to change this lady's life. In the grand scheme of things, our gifts, our talents, our resources, and time, God should be yours. Help us to use it wisely that you would shape us into the child that you've created us to be. I think this, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, you were designed not only to have a relationship with God, but to share that with others and to love the people around you. Here's what I wonder. Are we so busy? Are we so jammed? Are we so without wiggle room that the capacity for God to use us, the capacity to take us who are flawed and we think there's no way are we shortchanging what God might want to do through us? Because we're so busy trying to do things for everyone else, including him. May we make some room. Hey, um, we're going to approach the table um, communion and uh, in just a second. And here's what I want to tell you. Number one, the table's for everyone. And uh, if you believe in Jesus, uh, we invite you to participate in communion with us. And number two, here's what I think. I think when we come to, ta- to the table, it puts everything in order. In fact, there's something, right, about coming before Jesus and recognizing what he's done for us and entering that kind of quiet space or allowing him to speak into us and to remind us of larger perspective that it, it's at the cross, it is at that place where everything else vanishes that I think God has an opportunity to reorder the things in our life to give us perspective on the way he wants us to live, on the way he wants us to, to love him, and the way he wants us to use us. And, and I pray that as we approach the table today, um, that he will meet you there 
And that as those things he's been talking to you about, that he will just solidify those and you'll trust him and be obedient and follow through with what he's talking to you about. Father, thank you. I thank you that you speak to us. As we come to the table today, God, may you just, even that, just even creating the wiggle room, the space to come around your table in that quiet moment, may you recenter us in our relationship with you. May you remind us what matters. May you remind us how you want us to spend this valuable resource of time you've given us. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.